Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, urbnsvg.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American-made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com don't forget ladies and gentlemen in the podcast description or podcast notes in your podcast app you can get access to all of our sponsors all of the products that we talk about in the podcast and contact information for paul and martin all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about? Talking about? Talking about? Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back with another episode of Squared Away. What you been up to, my man? I'm here on this nice uh, Wisconsin spring allergy-filled and rainy day. Yeah, right. The upside, six feet above ground, man. That's and it's not matters. bad. The sun's been out a little bit. We got these new microphone stands, so we can actually talk into the microphones instead of having to lean over the <laughs> lean over the table. That's pretty fucking exciting. Yeah, it looks legit. What have you been working on lately, man? Oh, let's see. Physical. Um, up my carbs a little bit. I've been actually smarter with my fats. Uh, snacking on almonds. I gotta learn how to count the almonds because otherwise I'm twenty eight. Twenty eight almonds. Twenty eight is what it is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm between fourteen and eighteen. Because if I don't count, then I'm gonna pile a bag through to just plow right. Especially through. if you got any of those new blue diamond flavored ones. Oh, I don't they've know. got like spicy dill pickle and habanero barbecue and sea salt and vinegar. Oh, really? Those are those are deadly, deadly so you, addicting. So you specifically do? You, are they dry roasted? Yep. Do you worry about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because at first I was like, should I buy raw almonds? Should I buy, you know, roasted I, I almonds? I think I, I would have to look up more, but I think that there's an issue with raw nuts. I think that raw nuts, I think that your body maybe doesn't process them as good. Mm. I don't know, though. I would I would have to look it up. I, I think that, you know, it's kind of like the difference between how your body processes a cooked vegetable versus a raw vegetable. Okay. You have to look it up, but. Definitely can feel, you know, I'm, I'm filling up a lot more on, on yeah. fats. Um, I do an avocado mash almost every day now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's feels good. Put put the weight back on, I think. And You actually, like, cut up the avocado and mash it yourself? Uh, no, Costco has a I nice know. That's what I was just going to say. Pre-match. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. I eat that damn, the same damn little cup of avocado from Costco. Yeah, I see. It's all measured out for you. I just pop open the box and boom, grab one. So. Yeah, I eat that with some baked pork rinds. Baked pork rinds? Yeah. Is that a, Epic uh, Epic Farms or Epic? They did. They they were the first ones to do like the meat bars. Yeah. Um, they make like a baked pork rind. 
Oh, so really? it's not not fried, so it's oh, better for you. Gosh. But it gives you that crisp without because <laughs> I don't do carbs, so I can't have anything crispy. Really, oh, really? there's not much that's not carbohydrate based that's <laughs> crispy, and it gets fucking really depressing. Well, I'll confess to my uh, my lazy ass. Uh, I I don't hard boil eggs, but I usually have the mash with a couple of hard boiled eggs, and I get the the big box of them from Costco, and they're already like pre peeled, right? pre-peeled you know everything's all ready to go and they do a good job it's the organic ones it's not the not the shit ones you get if you go to walmart or go to a gas station yeah you pop them open and the middles are just green and there's just a slime all over them so these are actually pretty good i read it we were curious when i was because me and my daughter talk about stuff like that like how, how do they do this stuff right and so we looked up and the woman that invented the a way that they you know, mass produce, um, hard boiled eggs, they like pop a hole in and then they blow it. And somehow by blowing air in there, it like busts through the cell membrane or the shell membrane. And then, and then the shell comes off really easy. It's yeah. That's how they get the shells off. Cause you, you know, it's oh, not really? like there's a bunch of little kids sitting there ripping fucking shells off eggs, you know? So they have oh, to have a mechanical way yeah. to do it. And that's what we were curious. Like what's the mechanical <laughs> way that they actually peel eggs. But you know, on a side note, I really miss, remember Mr. Rogers, Hell yeah, I remember Mr. Rogers in and his sweaters. Usually, yeah, he always takes, uh, in the middle of the show, he takes this magical tour to whatever this manufacturing plant that just happens to be in his neighborhood. And it seems like <laughs> right? that neighborhood makes everything the world needs, right? Yeah. So I'm picturing, yeah, these eggs are going through, you know, this conveyor belt, you know, boiled water. Next thing you know, it just does something. Uh, the shells pop off, yep. goes right in the package and ready to go. Yep, ready for you. Ready for you and your avocado mash. Yeah. What about you, man? Oh, physical. I got two more weeks of eating like a sow and packing muscle back on and uh, the last session of this 531 and then I'm going to adjust, pull back a little bit because I'll pull my calories back to a maintenance stage. Um, Still feel good. Like body fat's almost still exactly where it was at 185, um, but I'm a lot heavier than 185. Um, You know, a lot of that was water too, but strong as fuck. Like there's a, there's a, 405 squats was my was my three rep last week and I repped it six times. So it was it felt good. Um so after that, then we're gonna adjust. I'll pull back a little bit. I'll go to three days heavy. I'm gonna try to do two days of yoga. I'm putting that out here into the ether so everybody's now everybody can hear it. So I'm gonna have to actually do it. Um and then take two days a week off, which this will be the first, this will be the first uh rotation that I've Two Cut back days. to two full days oh, off. Active rest, or are you talking yeah. nothing? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, I'm always moving, right? So it's it's active rest. And when you got kids, there is no there is no nothing. You don't yeah, get to true, just yeah. you don't just get to come home and sit on the couch. You're you're well, coming home, and it's dad. Let's do this, dad. Let's do that. But you're doing yoga. Are you, are you buying yoga pants? I'm gonna try. I have some men's yoga pants. They make men's yoga. I yeah, but they're not like yoga. They're not like what you think of in women's yoga pants. They're like loose fitting. They're like workout pants, but they're just super light. I actually really like them. I enjoy them a lot, but they're not like super thin like the ladies, but not. They're not tight, though. They're loose fitting. OK, so they're kind of like your kind of like your Adidas three star windbreaker pants that you had in. Are you serious? 1999, but a lighter, lighter fabric. Yeah. <laughs> OK. All right. So. I'm off of that dire tribe. Um, yeah. So I'm going to try to do yoga, man. I got to, I got to work on my mobility a little bit. And especially I've noticed like, I, <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, it was shoulder day today. Right. And I smashed my shoulders to the point that like taking my headphones out of my ears kind of hurt. Like it was, it was a, it was a big workout this morning and I reached back to like itch my back and my shoulder cramped completely up. Like one of those cramps where you like almost yell out loud. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, all right, I, I got to work on some mobility after this little session. So this will be eight weeks worth of eight weeks worth of powerlifting now. So um, that's been a good two, two good five, three ones. Um, Usually I would only pack on um, 10 pounds on upper body lifts and 20 pounds on lower body lifts for each, you know, four week session. And um, I almost doubled that this time. So physical, physical, I'm good. Feeling really fucking good. Mental feeling good. Um, been working on this this book, the Top Five Regrets of the Dying. We'll get into that. That's going to be the deep dive today. Um, anything mentally? You've been building this side business. Oh yeah, I got a. You talking about Nanolam? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is a 
project that was pre-COVID, and I don't want to get too long into it. Maybe sometime we'll cover it. But it's basically it's an antimicrobial uh, material, uh, PET, that gets laminated onto a carrier. So it's a lot different than when COVID came out. All these uh, little companies decided, well, I want to make some money real quick. So what they did was literally run a roll of material and they sprayed on top of it. So, and you can, you know, pretty much imagine what happens then. I mean, it starts degrading immediately as soon as it hits the air, as soon as it gets applied. Well, the problem is the shit that I made is, uh, you know, it lasts as long as the material holds up. Yeah. So it could be right now they're saying about five to seven years. Yeah. It's kind of a shitty business model because, you know, unless it's really getting used and abused, yeah, your replacement uh, cycle is going to be kind of long. Yeah, that makes sense. But you know, the the high traffic areas, it's going to get used and abused. I mean, let's let's yeah. be realistic. Door handles, toilet handles, you know, all that shit. It's going to get used and abused. Now, I could see like desktops and stuff like that. Yeah, that's going to last you know five years. But realistically, that's also a lot much larger investment for for a company to come in and say, hey, or you know, let's see, like yeah. we were talking yesterday, even like a, a restaurant franchise. All right, we want to we want to do our logo on a printed you know tabletop cover and we want that you know put on all of our tables well yeah that might last three years but that's also a giant investment whereas you know door handle wraps and stuff like that are a much smaller investment but also aren't going to last as long yeah and what we found at the at the club is the high traffic areas are hitting about four months okay which is you know it's pretty good the yeah. other stuff that i think is getting killed like after three weeks so yeah um so yeah so that's a big project uh like i said i'm you know, working my way to prioritize and minimize uh, how much time I spend at work, you know, kind of covers the, I wish I hadn't worked so hard for today. Yeah. Hit later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also uh, I just recently spoke at a event for uh, men, businessmen that are, you know, dealing with their kids um, on the verge of suicide through, yeah. you know, affluence, not, you know, through any type of hardship. So, yeah, well, affluence, you know, affluence, financial affluence, but let's be realistic. What causes a lot of that financial affluence is an imbalance in someone's life and an imbalance in someone's life maybe doesn't hurt them as much as it hurts everybody else around them because kids, kids don't, kids want time with you. They really, you know, yeah, yeah. They want shit. You know, they want toys. They want, you know, the newest football cleats, but given the choice, they would rather have time with their parents because let's face it. I mean, even whether you look at, you know, bunnies that are born out in the, out in your backyard or, or, or kids or, or whatever you they're learning life from their parents or they're learning life from the people around them or they're learning life from the internet. So if you're spending all your time trying to make enough money to make yourself feel good about whatever, you know, whatever your fucking demons are that, that that's all you do is work. I mean, your kids are your kids are getting raised by something. Yeah, and we we covered the squared away, you know how to use that as your uh, foundation um, for keeping yourself in check. And we talked about accountability because I tell you, man, men our age and older, there's such a lack of accountability. I mean, I think we all get kind of entrenched in our own little worlds, and we forget to you know check in and. You know, the old pre-deployment call or text says, you know, hey, buddy, you squared away. So we hit that a lot. Um, It's a good group of guys. And I think, uh, yeah, moving forward, it might grow into something bigger. So I really like what you said at the beginning when you said you're you're working on uh, prioritizing and minimizing. Like prioritizing is a huge fucking deal that so many people don't take the time to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, somebody today even said it, uh, you know, I was getting to the point where I was involved with so many things that I was about 50% or less effective. So I wasn't completing anything. I was just doing a lot. Yeah. But yeah, it's just getting to a point now where, you know, it takes a little bit of time to prioritize, but you got to put the energy in for the long-term, you know, benefits. So I think it's good. 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 That's, and that's, that's so important for everybody to kind of realize and, and, and everybody's going to have a different answer to that prioritized question. But if you're not asking the question, then you don't know your fucking answer. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. So what are you doing for uh, 
your emotional side crying my emotional i'm i'm crying a lot no um i'm still i'm still working in five minutes of meta meditation into my meditation and uh i'm gonna be i'm gonna be super dead honest and sound like a like a little bitch here but when i send out that that positive emotions to the people that really matter you know whether it's you know imagining hugging my brothers or my dad or, or, or family members or good friends that I've, that I've lost. Like that, that gets me emotional. That, that puts some water in my eyes and, and that feels good. You know, it feels, it feels good, which one, you know, not to get into it, but I wish I would have, uh, had the courage to express my feelings is, is one of the top five regrets. So um, I think that the meta meditation and being able to acknowledge the feelings that are in there, are, will help in the long run with that courage to actually express those feelings in real life, not just, you know, while I'm meditating. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. What about you? Uh, emotionally, uh, I was doing a little more reading about, um, you know, emotional IQ this week and, you know, learned a lot about how emotional IQ ties very well with, you know, self-awareness, kind of what we talk about through meditation. Um, Obviously, yeah, it's kind of weird because, yeah, my pastor, we talked about last time we talked about it, but also, yeah, spending more time uh, praying and talking about prayer, praying for my kids um, and also structuring time because I think that was my problem before. It's like, oh, I, I don't have time to, you know, sit there and just clear everything out for five minutes to even an hour or so. I've actually chunked out uh, some days coming up to just, you know, get out of this pattern, get yeah. out of the, the daily, you know, I don't want to say grind, but you know, the daily schedule yeah. that I'm used to, to yeah, take time and uh, be able to reset, you know, clear your mind of things, meditate and pray and yeah, do the things that I need to do to keep sanity. So. Yeah. And, and I like with, with those days, like being creative really helps me in those days, even if it's nothing that, anybody's ever going to see, or it's going to even turn out well. Like I, I, yeah. I try to dis get disconnect myself from the out, from the final project and, and really be in the moment and, and enjoy whatever I'm doing, whether it's painting or writing or, or whatever, N not musical because that's fucking awful. Um, I can't even handle listening to myself, try to do anything musical, you but sing in the shower. Well, duh, who doesn't sing in the shower? <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, the oh, the acoustics man. in the shower, man. If if we could record this podcast in the shower, we'd be on the we'd be on the radio. Yeah, I don't want to report. That's yeah, right. not together. That'd be kind of weird. That would be weird. So, I mean, it might sound fucking weird, but you know, water. I don't know, for some reason, water for me is tranquil. Yeah, you no, know, I it is. Probably hate it, but it is for a lot of people. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Just being yeah by a lake or by the ocean doesn't matter to me. I think some people get all snobbish and want to you know always have to be by an ocean but sometimes there's portions of the great lakes that almost look like you're you, at would, the ocean. you would have no idea yeah if you, you, if, if you set somebody if you, land, yeah if you blindfolded somebody and set them there they would have no fucking idea yeah. that they're not at the ocean unless yeah. it's fucking february or yeah, something then, then you, you know then you would, but, well you alaska you still got that ocean you know yeah that's true ocean goes all over one thing i found is you can't surf in wisconsin unless you're in sheboygan and it is like storming out yeah, I got a buddy who who has a um, he's got a place in what is it? Which which Great Lake goes up over the top of Minnesota? Which is that? Whatever. Anyways, he, Damn, he my they, geography sucks there. Yeah, yeah. They, so they live on one of the lakes, and and he sends Snapchats all the time. And those surfs, you like, you could legitimately ride those surfs. It's like holy shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna find but that's that northern out. Minnesota, though. You know. Oh. You see, yeah, I don't want to, you know, put a full suit on and have to. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's not enjoyable. Yeah, no, I, I think the, I think the calmingness and the, and the, the, the mind, mental benefits that come from the water come from our evolution, because if you think about it, you know, we would have stayed close to bodies of water, you know, as tribes for hundreds of thousands of years, because that's where the food is that's where you know the water other than you know ocean salt water but still you know that's that's where everything is the further away from the from the big large bodies of water you are the you know the the less chance of survival you have so that makes perfect sense anybody that's drawn to that would have then evolutionarily you know been more successful so yeah. i totally understand that probably because i'm tropical too i don't know tropical yeah you and you and the rock yeah, <laughs> I don't. I can't believe you said that yesterday, but yeah, I, Martin's actually the Rock's brother from another mother. Yeah, I was the uh, 
the jeans that kind of spilled over, the rest of it spilled on the mattress. Yeah. <laughs> the leftovers. Um, um, spiritual. I guess we kind of covered that. You know, spiritual and emotional, a lot of times, a lot of times go together. Um, emotional, I think, you know, the one thing that we've overlooked a lot, and, and I'm not even versed enough on it to get into it, is, is like you just said, the emotional intelligence, the emotional IQ. And I'm doing a lot more research on that to try to separate the spiritual and the emotional as far as the getting squared away and and what the what each of those looks like independently of the other so that it is you know two separate pillars not two pillars entwined where realistically all these pillars are entwined but yeah. to try to get the benefits from both of them and i think yeah well, having a podcast for emotional iq i think would be pretty important because the currency of the day is emotional yeah and that's how everything it's affecting politics, affecting justice. So and and I got into it. No, I, I'm sorry. I repeat. I Let me correct myself. I did not get into it because I was working and the guy that I was talking to was a customer of mine. So I did not want to um, elaborate on my feelings on the situation. But he he's a pretty hipster type dude. And he starts talking about how like. Um, you know, the, the Bible belt, the middle of the country, the blue collared workers, all those people like, I don't know. They always, they always vote against themselves. They always vote for, you know, they always vote for stuff that doesn't help them, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I kind of, I wanted to like grab him and just sit him down and be like, I don't, I don't think you understand, but what people like me and those people vote for is independence. I don't want you to fucking hand me a goddamn thing. Just keep your hands off of anything that I've earned. Right. And that's what we vote for. We vote for freedom and we vote for independence. We don't vote for we don't vote for rich people getting richer. We don't vote against social welfare because we don't like helping people. We vote against social welfare because the government administering social welfare is a fucking problem. Oh, yeah. Social it's welfare. No, social welfare needs to be administered throughout the community and throughout neighborhoods and through churches and stuff like that, where there's accountability amongst people. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's what all those people that, that tout that line, you know, that's what they don't understand. They don't understand that it's a, it is a, a a moral value structure that we vote for, you know, like you and I talked about, and I think we even talked about on this podcast, I didn't vote for Donald Trump because I like Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump because of the independence that he stands for and it might not even be him might not even be be how he built his wealth but it's what he stands for it's the ideals that come with that person like that being in office yeah and uh you know whether you voted for trump whether you voted for biden i mean i'm an independent so at this point i won't say who i voted for but you know it, it comes down to helicopters and tanks you know a conversation like you had i mean you got you're talking to a tank you know a helicopter guy is, and we talked about this before, and I remember thinking about it because I had a couple comments from a couple listeners. Um, you know how when I do things for people, or when I do things for my loved ones, um, I, I'm at a point, and I don't know if it's a military thing where, you know, there's no return. I don't expect return. All I feel is there's a sense of duty and honor that I, you know, this is what I do. You know, this is what I train for. I train to protect the guys to my left and to the right. I don't think about protecting myself at all. You know, you know, if I take a hole, I'm going to plug it up unless it's, you know, vital. I guess it's too bad. You know, I wrote that check already. So, um, so when you're a helicopter, you're looking at politics at a 3000 foot level. It's not, okay, if, if I'm blue collar or I'm a farmer, okay, I'm only going to vote on what's going to affect the farmer. You know, and that's the problem that you really see. You can really see what the tanks are nowadays because the people they are wrapped up in in color and gender, you know, in, in one of these tunnels and they just base everything on that. You know, if you know that's if anybody's ever read the uh what they're pushing the critical race theory, and it doesn't matter whether you're left or right, it doesn't matter what group that you're in. I mean, basically what they're telling you is no matter what, there's racism, no matter what. So they're so tank focused on racism that, you know, a person like you, you're white, you know, listeners that are white, no matter what you do, you're going to be wrong. No matter what you do, it's going to be racist. So, and, and I heard it, I think best put is, you know, let's say you open up a store 
and a white person, a black person walks in. So if you serve the white person first, then, oh, you're racist because you're treating the black person as second class. But if you treat the black person first, well, then, you know, you are racist because you feel obligated to because whatever they've been, you know, oppressed. And no matter what you do, it's you're racist. The system's racist. The institution's racist. Government's racist. Everybody's racist. So what's the solution? Well, one of the big solutions is to get back to being able to understand intent. That's so I'm in the middle of uh, the coddling of the American mind. And with that, they talk about about 2012, 2013 is when the college campuses really became a problem because everything started to be to change to being being hurt by emotions and hurt by words, but using the vocabulary and the vernacular of physical harm, yeah, you know, being being hard. When you do that, you assume somebody's intent. That's what that's what I'm saying. We need to get back to being able to to read intent and understand intent. You know, like like I think what what do we talk about yesterday? Uh, microaggressions, right? Like yeah. we were talking about microaggressions and someone asking you where you're from, right? <laughs> yeah, and that that, that in yeah. in 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 that mindset in the college campuses and that that harmed mindset or a, a, a victim mindset that becomes a microaggression and you assume a negative intent versus if we get back to assuming that everyone is here saying things and doing things that have nothing to do with us, it's just how they worded it, then we can get back to, okay, you could even say, if, if that really did bother you, let's say that really did emotionally bother you that somebody asked you that. And I'm not saying that this bothered Martin, but this is we're just using this as an example. So that really did. Instead of assuming the negativity assuming the negative intent, you get back to a situation where it's like, oh, well, my parents were originally from China. But maybe in the future, when you ask somebody like that, ask, where are your you know, where are your your relatives from, or, you know, I'm sure there's a better way to say that. And I I can't think of it off the top of my head, but you can get back to having a civil conversation like you and I, or like me and that guy that I was trying to sell to, like all of these things, we just, we're all human beings. And by assuming negative intent and, and taking on the vernacular of being physically harmed by someone's words, like that 2013, 2014 is when it, when all this shit started to come up where like, you couldn't speak on college campuses anymore because yeah. if you didn't agree with the ideals of the largest group or the loudest group of people, you were harming them. Yeah. And I think uh, just to put it in context, we had a conversation yesterday and I think I was talking about, uh, you know, I like to lay low. Yeah. But what yep. sucks is, I mean, you know, there's there's not a lot of Chinese in this area. And uh, unfortunately, I'm like this oversized Asian dude. And there's the Asians that are in town are, you know, either Hmong, Vietnamese, Laotian. Um, but I'm Chinese and there's not a whole lot of us in Madison, obviously, by the I forgot the one Milwaukee Bucks player that, you know, came here and he was Chinese. And he's like, there's not enough Chinese people. I don't want to, you know, be here. Yeah. So and people come up, you know, I mean, more often than not, they'll come and say, hey, where are you from? And I know I mean, I'm to a point where I know what they're, they're getting to. I'll play along sometimes. And I'll be like, oh, I'm from Sun Prairie. Yeah. And then I'll get the, you know, oh, well, where are you really from? Yeah. You know, they'll guess like Hawaii. They'll get something else. And when I tell them I'm Chinese, they, they're they a little surprised because, you know, even when I go in Hong Kong, I mean, I'm just a bigger dude. Yeah, it's your size. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That, and that's how we, that's how I decided he was the Rock's illegitimate brother. <laughs> Rock's got, yeah, he's got quite a few more pounds on me and he looks a lot more better or a lot. Not more better. Yeah, I'm sure that more has better. I'm Probably sure that has nothing to do with injectable <coughs> hormones. <coughs> <laughs> I get mine uh, at Farm and Fleet. The leftover shit that they right, throw at the, the back. The, the equine from the horse from the <laughs> yeah. horse the horse dock. I just dig through the back. <laughs> shit, I forgot where I was walking the other day, and there was like a fucking drug needle on the, on the that, ground. That's a it's a thing now. Like it's a legit oh, really? thing. Yeah, like it's it's where the heck was heroin is heroin has become such a such an issue. I think it was a Menards uh, cart rack. Really walking around, awesome. I was like, "What the heck is that?" Yeah, and I guess you know we're assuming we're assuming negative. We just assumed negative that that was what that was. But I assume that anyone that, probably some insulin. Or well, some so what shit. I'm what I'm saying is, I feel like somebody that that is type one diabetes that has taking insulin shots um, disposes of their needles more intelligently. I would think so. That's where yeah. my assumption comes from that that's drugs. I was being sarcastic, and uh, yeah, I 
didn't look like an insulin shot. Yeah. I don't even know if I would be able to tell. That. Wait, oh, yeah. Insulin's pen now. Yeah. It's like yeah, a pen. I think some of them are even like uh, computerized. Yeah. Quick, quick. So to so, get yeah. to get to our our dark, dirty, deep dive this week, Memento Mori. You know what Memento Mori means? No, I don't know Memento Mori. Remember, you must die. So the origination of Memento Mori is suspected to be when a Roman general would come back from winning a battle. There would be a slave that was paid to whisper in his ear as everyone is giving him all the praise and the throwing flowers and this giant party in his honor. The the slave's one job is to is to whisper in his ear every once in a while. Memento Mori. Remember, you will die to keep him humbled. Right. So the reason I bring that up is because the deep dive this week is into um, Bronnie Ware's book, uh, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And we live in a society that is completely ignorant of death. I mean, we modern society doesn't they want to ignore death. They don't want to talk about death. It's like the one. Well, death and taxes. Right. The two fucking things that you absolutely are always going to encounter. And we completely want to not talk about the one. But what happens with something like that when you ignore it is you get to the end. And because you completely ignored it, you have all these regrets because you didn't think about, oh, I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to die. I might die tomorrow. I might die 40 years from now, but I'm going to die. And so if you know that and you come to grips with that and you become emotionally balanced and okay with the idea of death, you are able to look and go, all right. What do I want to make sure I don't regret when I get to the end? And what it is, is, is Bronnie, Bronnie Ware was a palliative care and she actually stumbled upon palliative care, which palliative care is caring for people that are that are dying. It's it's not just old folks, but it's people that have basically, you know, medical death sentences. And um, she worked with people like that for for years and years and years. And she encountered a lot of the same themes amongst these people and that those are and then. She originally wrote an article that just high spotted the top five regrets, and then she put it into a book. And the reason I got back onto this is because it's graduation season, right? And I ordered a ton of these books because that's going to be this year's like graduation gift. You know, you get your cards, you get your money, and you're going to get this book because I think at, you know, at 18, 19 years old, it's a really, really legitimate book to sit down and read because when, when better? Right. Right. So top five regrets. We'll go into each regret. I'll read them and then we can kind of chat about them. So the regret number one, by far the most encountered is I wish I would have had the courage to live the life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And that I can completely understand when you look at parents that are putting expectations on people, spouses that are putting expectations on people friends that are putting expectations on people, societal expectations. It's all these expectations of what you are supposed to be as a, an American, as a Chinese American, as a black American, as a, you know, as a European, as a male, as a female, as a 40 year old, as a 60 year old, as an 18 year old. And there's all these fucking expectations. And if you are giving into those expectations and not living your life true to yourself, I can completely understand this being number one because you get to the end, you have that three months to live, six months to live, and you go, oh, fuck. Yeah. No, it's, uh, gosh, you know, the scariest thing, even at our age, looking back at your life is thinking and looking back, wishing you could have a time machine and have gone back 20 years because you look back and it's like, you know, all those years I lived searching or trying to be something that I wasn't. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, um, you know, where people talk about, well, that's how how I find myself, you know, everybody's on this journey to find themselves. Well, maybe if, you know, you tune out all the noise, all the societal uh, expectations that is just right now, it's probably the worst it's ever been in history. Um, if you can tune all that out and figure out who you are, I mean, that would be huge. And finding yourself is trying a bunch of different shit and figuring out what you enjoy, what fills your bucket, right? We'll go back to the bucket. That's how you find what fills your bucket. But guess what? You have to actually do shit. You have to try shit. You have to meet people. You have to go out. You have to read. You have to consume 
intelligence and knowledge and you have to do all those things to to find out what fills your bucket yeah. fucking scrolling tiktok we just talked about when we got here i got a tiktok sent to me from one of our friends and you got a tiktok sent to you i was here for two minutes and we both got a tiktok sent to us i told martin the first thing i replied to anybody that sends me a tiktok is great use of your time but yeah. you're not going to find yourself or anything doing that any of that shit yeah and and the worst thing i think and i'm speaking from experiences you know just going by what some people say well as you get older you're going to grow into this or you know this is you know this is just all part of you know growing up and then they're trying to mold you into what they want to be and the worst thing you can do for yourself is to sit in that and try to get to that standard and waste years because that's probably that's probably a regret that i look back you know because there's chunks of years yeah. where I'm not going to get back. Yeah. So, and there's consequences to it. And, um, yeah, hopefully our younger listeners, yeah, don't have to go through that. I think we, we all have, we all have something to offer the world. We all have, have whatever our thing is. And it's some of, some people, it might be, you have something really important to offer to people. Some people, it might be you have something important to offer the entire world. And I think that that transition in my mind has been one of the biggest changes that I've made in the last five years is like with this podcast, I am dead set to make this podcast something that helps as many fucking people as we can, whether it gets downloaded a hundred times or a hundred thousand times. My goal is to help people not get downloads. You know what I mean? And yeah. so changing, changing, releasing myself from the non-intelligent outcomes and connecting myself to the actual product, connecting myself to making this as useful as we possibly can has been a big change. And I think that that's oh. helped a lot. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was hoping that, you know, we could spin it off and I'll spin off into like Asian comedy hour, but. Well, I mean, if there's anybody out there who knows that, you know, somebody wants to sign some Asian comedian, I'm right there, man. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to do some work. <laughs> We're going to need you to write some bits and then you're going to need to practice those bits. But I mean, you don't even really need to do comedy anymore to be the comedian. You just got to be funny on the internet and then people oh, share your shit. I know. You don't want to be the com a comedian nowadays because everything's so PC. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get doxxed. It's weird because you will get doxxed, but you only get doxxed when you show any chink in your armor. If you stand up and you say some malicious shit and they come after you and you're like, yeah, I fucking said it. And it was funny. And comedy is meant to be funny. It's supposed to disturb people. Doesn't yeah. mean I fucking meant it. Doesn't mean I hate women kind because like I made Burr. a fucking woman joke. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like Bill Burr. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we can't get this guy. And they completely go away. No, it's true. You know? That's true. No, I'll probably dig something up for my pastor or something. Something I well, said. Yeah, I had somebody somebody message me after listening to a few of the podcasts, and they're like, you should be a politician. I'm like, I got way too many fucking skeletons <laughs> in my closet to be a politician. That shit ain't <laughs> happening. If I was going to be a politician, what I'd have to do is I'd, I'd have to do an Eminem style. You remember, you remember Eminem in 8 Mile, the movie? Yeah. He comes out, and he just tears himself apart, so there's nothing else for the other guy oh, to rap about him about. That's what I'd have to do. I'd have to do like a tell-all book that tell every single fucking dark skeleton in that closet. And then what are they going to do? Then there's nothing yeah. else to come at me with. No, that's true. And I'm not saying I've thought about that, but I thought about it. At least, um, you're, at least you're true to yourself. Yeah. In the end. Yes. Um, number two. And this one, this one, I totally, you, you would have given me a blank piece of paper and told me to write these. This one, I would have got number one. I wish I didn't work so fucking hard. And yeah. she's a very proper Australian woman. She does not swear in the book, but I added that. <sighs> She said, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Yes. And I don't want to give you my Australian accent. Yeah, yeah I that's, guess. That's one that hits home for me. So, And, and I mean, prior, prioritize and minimize like you just talked about. What are your priorities now? And, and actually, to bring this back to one thing, I, I, had, a, I had somebody message me and, and bring up the fact that I said that with my, in my priorities, I'm a father first and a husband second, and then I take care of myself. And somebody brought up, and I've heard this before, too, is, you know, in relationships, your spouse is number one and the kids are number two. Um, that's cool. I don't agree with that. And me and my wife are on the same page. One hundred percent. We have 18 years 
to implement everything we want to implement into these kids before they are going out on their own. When my kids are gone, then we get bumped into number two spot, right? I get bumped into number two spot for her and she gets bumped into number two spot for me. But priorities change as your, as your life changes. Like, yeah, clearly if you're a 24 year old that doesn't have kids, your priorities aren't going to be your kids. But when you have kids, then you readjust your priorities. Yeah. I kind of understand what the, you know, the listener was saying too, is that, you know, when you're married, I mean, you're a single unit, you know, you're a single leadership unit and, uh, you know, you're showing an example to your kids. So your example as a couple reflects how hopefully your kid looks at that and is like, okay, well, that's how I want, you know, my relationships to be. So um, in a blended family, that's tough. And like I said, I went through that bad experience where that did not work. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my kids do come first. Yep. And, you know, any relationship that I have, I, I have to have my kids yep. as number one, um, you know, and that's just a long but the story. Thing is, I, but I, and, and you know, like, so after he brought that up, I talked to my wife about it and I'm like, I, you know, I, somebody brought this up. Do you, how do you feel? And we're on the exact same page. Like I would never expect her to sacrifice time with the kids for me. And she would never expect me to sacrifice time with the kids for her. Like, we both have our times, right? I'm home, you know, five, six o'clock bedtimes at eight, eight thirty. Like that's my time. You know, she's, yeah. she picks them up from school or the younger one up from school. Like we have our time and, and that's our time. And then after the kids go to bed, then we have our, you know, our time together or we have our date night every Monday night we go on a date. And so we have our relationship time. Like we're, yeah. it, we're, but we're parenting as a single unit. Yes. We're parenting Very as a well. single unit. We're never like, I'm, we're not assholes, right? Like we were both very, very much in control of our ego. So like I've never played the kids against my wife and she's never played the kids yeah. against me. Like there's a lot of people that have no control of their ego. And I think that that's where that definitely comes in is that whole, like not doing that, but we're fucking a thousand steps past that. Right. Yeah. And I've seen it and experienced it in blended families where, you know, one person is trying to undermine the other. And eventually that's going to break down really, really fast or it's going to, you know, turn the kids away. So. And what's the intention there, right? Like, let's get back to the intent. Like we talked about earlier, like what is the intention? Yeah. Selfish intention. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And, and we, everyone, everyone can take five steps to be more selfless, less selfish. Ooh, Hey, I wanted to open up the podcast with this, but everybody that's listening, stop. Do us one huge favor, take 30 seconds and send the podcast to five people. Just send it to five five people that you think that it could help, five people that you think would really enjoy it, five people that that you think and just just shoot it off. The the link is right on your browser, all, whatever you're using. If you're using iTunes, Android, um, Spotify, there's a share button on there. Just hit share. It'll copy it for you and send it to five people. You know, maybe two of them listen, but um we want to try to we want to try to affect as many people's lives as possible. And that's the only way it's going to work is through the word of mouth, because, you know, it would cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars in advertising to put this podcast in front of everybody's face to see who it sticks to. Um, and that just doesn't make sense because, you know, we don't make any money from it. So you have to sell your Lambo. <laughs> oh, God. If I if I had a Lambo, that thing, I'd get it wrapped to look like a rusty <laughs> piece of shit. Like I can I can appreciate I can appreciate the the engineering in a car like that, but I absolutely would not want to have all the stigma that comes with it. Not yeah. a fucking chance. Yeah. Like I'm like you, I mean, I appreciate the exoticness of yeah. it, like going to the zoo. Yeah. But to be honest, I wouldn't take one home because I don't want to pull up to every gas station and worry that I'm going to rip the front end off. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Thing. Well, and, and the funny thing is, is okay. Why do and this is totally off this? But no, no, <laughs> this, this goes right on to why do I wish I wouldn't work so hard. This works yeah. perfectly. Right. Because what is a car like a Lamborghini? A car like a Lamborghini is a statement. It's status. not a fucking car. It's a statement. It's a status symbol. Right. Yeah. But if you have that status, that means that you've accomplished things. You don't need a fucking statement. So what it is, is it's people that need a statement because they need to say more than what they've actually done. Right. It's like, it's like polishing. It's like, a, it's passive, like polishing a turd. Aggressive. Uh, 
bragging. Yeah, I guess, passive right? aggressive bragging or polishing a turd, right? And not that you're a turd, but like, this is me. This is what I've done. This is my accomplishments. No, no, no. Think that I've done way more, you know? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. What's your intent for having it? Yeah. You know, if I had a track in my backyard and I'm just like racing exotics all day, sure. Yeah. But like I said, it's like, well, yeah, or if I, or, or even if I was into racing, right? Like if I, if I did the, the gumball 3000 and had enough money to pay myself out of tickets and then I had a car like that, fuck yeah. yeah. You know, whatever it is, San Francisco to New York nonstop, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. That'd be fun as shit, but yeah. I'm not going to have it to fucking just drive around in. Which is funny because if you like flew out to Dubai, you know, almost everybody has a, you know, freaking Ferrari. Yeah, they're, they're like, uh, they're like taxi Spaghetti cabs. racer. Yeah, they're just, they're common. And yeah, you just find them in, uh, you know, boneyards. Yeah. Just I, I have way more respect for the, for the built, the custom built vehicle that somebody's actually put, you know, blood, sweat and tears into and, and completely designed and engineered and built themselves. And like that, I can look at it and go, holy shit, man, that's, that's fucking awesome. I, I would, I would lean towards that a thousand times over if I was at a car show. Yeah. No, that's true. All right. Number three, I wish I would have had the courage to express my feelings. And as she gets into this one in the book, um, she really, really covers kind of the, the lack of being able to express your feelings and what that feels like after you can't express those feelings anymore. So, you know, if you, you didn't tell your, child that you love them and then their bus got in an accident on the way to school and they passed right like yes if you didn't tell your child you love them and you had this epiphany like oh i need to tell my kids i love them and you start telling them you love them like you didn't miss anything there but it's the not being able to go back and relive that you know your your mom your mom passes and you never got to tell her how much she meant to you like fucking call your mom right now stop the podcast call your mom call your dad call your brother call your uncle Tell them that you love them. Tell much. Tell them how much you mean to them. Like I'm a grown man. When I hang up with my dad and my brothers and my mom, like I'm like, hey, love you. And sometimes it feels weird. Like I don't know why, but sometimes it feels weird. But I make sure to fucking say it because I don't know that that could be the last time. Right. No, I totally get that. Um, I mean, I have older kids and I, I don't know what they're thinking. I have no clue. Sometimes it just seems like they're. I always tell them when they leave the doors, you know, love you. Yeah. And it always seems like I love you too. Or they try yeah. to like, you know, yeah. squeak that one out. Yeah. Cause it like, cause I'm on the other side of that. It's, it's weird. It feels weird, but it feels less weird every time you do it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel weird. Cause you don't want to say it. It just feels weird. It, this is a, you know, this goes right back to the societal expectation things. It just, it's just, right. We live in a weird spot. And maybe, yeah. When they get, you know, older beyond their, you know, early twenties, uh, They'll understand when they have their own kids because whenever whenever I get a text back, I always say, you know, love you. And then, you know, they'll have love you or love you in caps or love you in exclamation mark. Yeah, it makes you, uh, you know, I'm all of a sudden I get that little like really light feeling, the Mary Poppins thing going on or something. Heart fuzzies. Yeah. So, you know, and I like looking back at that. So it's just, yeah, as a dad, you know, you get softer and. You know, you like hearing that from your kids or yeah. if your kids say it first, that's like, you know, whoa, yeah. Knocks, yeah. You, knocks you over. So, yeah. Or even or even friends that you haven't talked to in a while, you know, like, hey, man, I miss you. You know, I miss talking to you. I miss hanging out. I miss. Hey, remember, you know, fucking reminiscing about old times, whatever. Like just ex- ex- express your feelings because you there tomorrow is not guaranteed. Yeah. The present moment is the only thing that's guaranteed. No, that's true. All right. Number four. I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends, which I think that's definitely prevalent, right? Like we lose touch. You get busy. You spend too much time working. Clearly, you know, back to number two. Yeah. You spend too much time doing shit and you lose connection with the people that friend friendships are made through through distinguishing times. I, I usually yeah. say hard times, but it's not even hard times. Friendships are made through extremities, right? Extreme times. And that's how friendships are built. Yeah. And as you get older, you know, people say it's so hard to make friends at an older age, but is it hard to make friends because of our age or is it hard to make friends because we're not doing anything of value anymore? Right. It's, uh, I think it goes back to what we talked about with comfortability. 
you know, I know in the military, we talk about move with intent. Uh, as we get older, we don't do a lot of stuff with intent. We're rushing to do nothing. And, um, you know, I have an example where, you know, one of my best friends lives in Monona. And it's literally, I mean, it's a drive that you make. Every day. Every day. Every single day. So, and it's sad because it's been a decade. And I see Seriously? Him, I see him maybe, well, it hasn't been a decade since. I see him. We oh. see each other. In the last decade, we both have lived in the same, that same distance. Yeah. Since I lived in this house versus his house. And at times I'll pass, you know, his house if I'm like doing stuff over there. Yeah. Or, eating out or shopping and and we see each other once a year and every year we'd say you know we got to see each other you know more than just once a year yeah and well last year i think is when we made a point you know what we, we live close enough we live 10 minutes apart or 15 yeah. minutes apart yeah it should be more than just once or yeah. twice or three times yeah. i mean it should be fine so and and part of that is goes back to number two you know part of that was my problem i mean he's working the same job that he has since college yeah. And, but he enjoys it. Yep. That's what he loves to do. And he has time for recreation, has time for his, you know, two little boys and his wife. And, uh, I'm the one who just got, you know, overload, you know, overloaded myself. Yep. Nobody's to blame but myself. Yep. And I pushed out all that extra time because all my extra time was like, oh, okay, I need to work on this, this other business. Right. Yeah. So I think as I prioritize and minimize, you know what? That's the stuff that's valuable. 100%. You know, I don't want to pass tomorrow and say, oh, gosh, it was, it was my stupid ass fault. Yeah. That I'm not spending time with my friends. So, yep. so yeah. 100%. And number five, I wish I would have let myself be happier. And that one, um, that one comes with the caveat that you have to, you have to realize that happiness is a choice, not an emotion. Right. Happiness is you decide what you focus on in your life and it doesn't need, it doesn't mean to be happy. doesn't mean you need to be content with where you're at. If you're in a bad spot, it doesn't mean you need to be content with it, but it does mean that you need to focus on the things that you do have and then let them raise you out of the situation. If you're in a bad situation, most people aren't in a bad situation. Yeah. They're just in an average situation and they only focus on the negatives. And yeah. that one, I have a hard time with not all the time, but I get in moods and I get in, in dark, gloomy moods and I'm not focusing on the amazing things that I have going for me. Um, and honestly, what gets me out of that a lot is just a fucking hard ass workout. It's just a, a punishing workout is what kind of clears my mind out of those times a lot. Um, but happiness is a choice. Yeah. No, hundred percent agree. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of people use happy and I hate hearing every time I hear happy, I cringe because I hear that a lot with, uh, you know, couples that we know that get divorced and they're like, well, I'm divorcing because I wasn't happy. Cause whenever you're happy, you know, happy is happenstance. So something good needs to happen for you to be happy. So what you're telling me is that, well, everything needs to happen good in your life. Otherwise, you're just going to go down this, you know, miserable pit. Yeah. Um, but always uh, learn that instead of happy, you know, you got to be joyful because joy, joy is even if you're sitting in the deepest, darkest pit of your life, you can still see the light. You can still see a direction that you need to go to get out of that. So, and you learn to fight like hell and, uh, yeah, it's funny you said yeah, the gym is is a great spot because that that's for me, you know what, that is that's the fucking best part of my day. Yeah. There's nothing that I love more than you know what? I know I'm gonna go to the gym, you know, I can put a headset on, you know, if I know there's gonna be a lot of people I'm gonna run into and I want just my own time, you know what? I got the twenty four hour one or I can go to PF or, you know, I can go in the garage and yeah. just do it. But put a headset on, turn that music up, or turn a podcast on, and just crank out. You know, I, I love having a two-hour period of time where I can just crank it out, and then you, you know, you feel so good after. So yeah, I mean, it's like happiness is a choice, joyfulness is a choice. The neurochemicals that come with those choices: epinephrine, neuroepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine. Um, you can cultivate those. 
Like you can, you can make your body have those. There's a reason that there's a thing called a runner's high because hard exertion creates those chemicals. If you're in the fucking, if you're in the, the worst mood of your day and you go and you bust ass for 30 minutes, I mean, fucking drenched in sweat, almost dying. One of those rolling on the floor, like, oh my God, everything seems a lot less of a big fucking deal. Oh yeah. And a lot of people have to get to that point because you know what it is. It is easy to get in that pit and guess what? Go to Culver's and order a couple of double butter burgers. You know, those are good. And I like those, the deluxe. Yes. You know, a big honking family fry and sit in front and sit in your couch and make yourself feel worse. Yep. And th- that never makes you feel better. It's, yeah. it's the glut, it's the gluttony, right? It's the short term, it's the short term, um, I'm not even going to call it a good feeling, but the short term spike in whatever, you know, hormones those cause versus the natural long term hormones that come with some sort of exertion. And it's just accomplishment does it, period. Even if Mm -hmm. it's fucking clean your room, wash your car. I mean, like hand wash your car. You're going through the fucking car wash isn't going to do anything for you, you know, but do accomplish something. So can I go through the auto car wash and just dry my I don't know if that's going to cause that much of a good feeling. Oh, okay. But, I mean, that's what I do, but I also don't look for, <laughs> I also don't look for beneficial, happy compounds from car washes. So, um, uh, I think it goes to also the, the 40% rule, you know, have you heard? I don't think so. I, I think, I, I think I've come across it, but yeah, and I, I think Goggins, uh, you know, pushed that out 40% rule, but. It, it is true. I mean, I'll go to uh, use running as, as an example because I, I fucking hate running because I think I ran enough in my life that I banked up enough in there. So, but for, for running, even when I do it now, in a mile, the first four tenths of that mile, you feel like shit. You feel like you want to quit and you feel like your heart's beating out of your chest. You start, you know, getting out of your rhythm and you start breathing through your mouth and pretty soon you think, Oh, you know what? I'm just out of shape. You start making excuses in your head. Talking yourself out of it. Yep. But after you get past that four tenths of a mile, all of a sudden it feels like you got that second wind, you know, your body adjusts, you're breathing through your nose and now you're starting to glide and now you're starting to gain some momentum. Well, that's, it applies to everything in your life. A lot of people, when they think that they're maxed out, when they think that they're stressed out and need, you know, medicine for it, or when they think that, you know, this is all I can handle and they throw up their hands, you know, they're really only sitting about 40%. That's where, that's where it connects to Goggins. Yep. I remember that hundred yeah. percent is the, e- most people are doing way less than what, than their max. Yeah. So, and a lot of times in a, you know, even like basic training, you know, they're learning to help you clear out your bad habits, clear out your fallbacks, clear out your excuses and, you know, shut your mouth and push forward and get beyond that 40%, you know, to tap your potential. It's not to, to beat the shit out of you to make you a tougher person. It's to, you're tough when you hit your potential. Well, it's, it's to teach you what your potential really is. Yeah. Because most people, it's to test you and for you to constantly accomplish more, you know, leaps and bounds further than what you ever thought you would be able to accomplish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's so many mental, spiritual, emotional benefits to it when you can, you can push yourself. And like you said, you know, feel that accomplishment of pushing yourself. And then there's so many rewards for it. I mean, you look in the mirror, you know, there's the biggest reward, you know, you can, you know, like some people I know take their wife's phone and take a picture of themselves in the mirror Hey, that was my that was my kitchen. That was my kitchen window. I was I had I had my shirt off and I What's was like, context? Oh. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So I was being funny one day and my wife's phone was sitting in the kitchen and I looked in the in the in the window in the kitchen. I'm like, shit, look at that six pack. So I snapped a picture with my wife's phone and I put it on as her as her screensaver on her phone. Um, cause I'm a funny and I'm an asshole. Um, but so, and then she thought it was funny to tell Martin about that yesterday. So that's where that came from in case you guys were wondering, but, but you can't do that unless you put the work in. Yeah. And those are the rewards reaped from all that work. Yes. And you wouldn't have gotten there if you didn't push past that 40%. No, fuck no. I've seen that less than 40% in every gym and club that I've ever been in. You know, you watch somebody that is just going through the motions or, you know, the worst I've seen is uh, sitting on cardio equipment on the phone 
and you know just the the equipment's just kind of like not even in a walking pace yeah i'm like why are you even here yeah no it's and and so many people are so good at 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 talking themselves out of getting past that 40 percent. i'm just tired i'm just haven't eaten enough i'm just don't feel good i drank too much last night i didn't do this i'm not feeling it i'm not you do bitch do it right fucking put your headphones in turn the fucking music up get out of your own head and just fucking crank it out i don't give a shit yeah i don't give a shit what your fucking excuses are and i think your your back end your results are gonna go way beyond what you think you'd be happy with i'm at that point now like i'm at that point now where i look and go I, there's no fucking way i thought i'd ever be at this level not a fucking chance yeah. but you keep pushing to be the best that you can be yeah you're not trying to oh i'm looking at this magazine cover match this person yeah no no stress no, you know like you against you i've stretched my comfort zone right like we talked about in the last podcast i've stretched yeah. my comfort zone i'm to a point now where where i look and i go oh that's good we're gonna get better oh you know yeah. Repped 405 squat six times. Yep, that's good. I'm going to do more. Bench press is not my strongest, you know, 285 max. Nope, we're going to do 305 next week, you know, and, and fuck, I might get it. I might not. But two weeks from now, I might. Three weeks from now, I will eventually get it. Yeah. Goes back to embracing the suck. Yeah. The rewards are there, so... Awesome. I don't know if there's much to talk about for current events. They're gonna they're gonna rule something on ghost guns tomorrow, apparently. Which <laughs> I, I, the only the only way I see that working is are they gonna redefine what a firearm is? Because holy shit, that will change a lot. Yeah, the more it evolves, I just think you know between that and the the stocks, it's I think it's just two bullshit items they just picked out just yeah. to appease you yeah. know people. So. Yeah. Does doesn't affect anything, has no bearing no. on, you know, what the problems are. And I want I need to do a lot more. I need to sit down and I need to take enough time to be able to articulate what's in my mind about this myth of pure evil. But the myth of pure evil is like it is is the idea that like it's it's the us against them, right? It's the they're doing this to me. But realistically, as a society, they're not doing this to me. Even 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 if you start talking about different countries, right, they're not doing this because they're trying to harm me or they're doing it because they think that's the the right thing to do. And they're doing it because they think it's correct. And it's the same with the right versus left, the political, you know, the political system, the liberal system, gun advocates versus gun rights people, you know, um, they're, they're not doing it to take my rights away. They're doing it because they think that they're helping um, and this argument goes, this argument goes to other countries that we've been to war with. And, and this, this argument is so, so deep that I don't even have the ability to articulate it currently, but I, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to form that in my mind to, to a way that I can get the point across. But that's what I, you know, with the, with the gun stuff, that's what brought it up is like, they're doing it because they think that it's going to make some an improvement, but are they that i think they are but the thing is is it's is it actually going to make an improvement and that's the tank right like what you just said earlier tanks versus helicopters like they're tanks and they're just looking and they're like uh improvement 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 but then from a three thousand foot view you look and go oh you're not doing a fucking thing yeah i mean to me it, it just it stinks like a big turd of appeasement you know yeah i think they're just trying to appease a base Saying, hey, you know, look, we did this, you know, which which points back to, I mean, you know, we got POTUS who's Mr. Gaffomatic, and right now I got a bet going that he's probably got another six months before they got to pull the plug because he is not doing well, man. Unless they start jacking him full of pro-vigil. I don't know. It's not going to help him read that teleprompter any better because <laughs> the last one was a, I mean, totally from Fucksville. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know it. Does that office, that office really mean that much anymore? Uh, this administration's really devalued that office. Yeah. And then, you know, number two is not any better. No. So yeah, whether you're left or right, I mean, it's a concern. I mean, vote this, your, this is vote your commander in, your small, in chief. Vote in your small elections. Vote in your small elections, vote in your local elections, vote in the, you know, the, what's the inter, 
what's that word for that? For the inner year elections. The fuck is the word I'm thinking interim? of? Interim? Yeah, interim. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I know what you're thinking. You know, vote on all the elections. Yeah. It's not a presidential election. Vote yeah. on them. Do some research. Figure out what you're what you're doing. Because representative democracy does work. Yeah. But representative democracy only works when the people that are getting represented are actually showing up and voting. Yeah, but try to try to switch your brain to, you know, you know, not a tank. Yeah. Try, no. try to try to get the three thousand foot view. Try to be a you know, a helicopter. First, first everybody that's listening to this needs to sit down and figure out their value structure, right? They need to sit down and figure out what they're, where they're at and what their value structure is and then find people that align with your value structure, you know, and freedom, independence. These are all things that are in my value structure, which is why I vote the way that I vote. Um, because I, I do, I do know that we have to take care of the, the, the weakest people in our country, but that needs to be done intelligently with oversight so that, and, and, teaching a man to fish versus yeah, just giving just them a fish too, yeah you know and and that's where that's where the disconnect comes in i can agree i can agree with with the person on the left that we need to take care of the people we just can't agree on how to do it correct and i will say from experience i mean i've been on both sides of those programs i've been on a program where you know they're just giving the fish away and those you know 60 people are still out there for 10 years, yeah. the 10 years that I've seen them and the programs I've been involved with where we vetted them, educated them, got them back into society. Um, those have been successful programs. So, you know, I have to say that, that I'm biased. I mean, we can't just dump money. It's going to take work from everybody. Yeah. Whether you're left or right. I mean, this is just about taking care of human beings. You know, yeah. How do you make them better? Yeah. So. All right. I think we'll wrap up for the day. God, look at all that beautiful audio quality with these new mic, <laughs> these new Rode PSA one microphone boom arms that we didn't really get for free. I just plugged them because they're pretty nice. So, all right, everybody have a good rest of the week. All right. Later.